Thank you, Sarah and Erica. Appreciate that very much. This morning, uh, last Sunday of the year 2020, we have one more Christmas story to share. Uh, possibly you've heard it before, maybe you haven't. Uh, but what this story will do is bring us full circle from where we began with the first Sunday of Advent back in the last Sunday of November. And uh, what we did that Sunday was we spoke about the seed of Eve. And that's found in Genesis 3, chapter uh, chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Um, let me share those verses with you. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat. All the days of your life, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The idea of the seed of woman, the offspring of woman, the seed of woman, she, uh, he would bruise the heel. Uh, Satan would bruise the heel of this particular person. Uh, which would be a taking him down, but it would be only temporary. And then this person, this seed, this offspring of Eve, would bruise the head which would imply, of Satan, which would imply total loss of all his authority, power, and any, everything that he has. The story that I want to look at as the Christmas story that puts that together, if you will, is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, uh, starting with the first verse. Revelation, chapter 12. Uh, like I said, one more Christmas story. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. The three symbols in this or three signs in this passage are where I want to begin our focus. There are three signs listed. There's the woman, there is the serpent, but there's also her son. And so we'll look at those more closely, trying to identify these symbols. The easiest one to identify is the dragon. 
you go down to verse 9 of, of Revelation chapter 12, and he's described. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. War in heaven, which we're not going to get into great detail about this morning, but the reality is, is that this great red dragon is Satan. He is the uh, ancient serpent, like I said, that takes us back to Genesis chapter 3, the serpent tempting Eve and, and, and Adam. And so uh, he's the ancient serpent. He is the devil, the adversary, if you will. He's Satan. He's the deceiver. And it says the deceiver of the whole world. He's the father of lies. It just, uh, you can go on and on to describe him. And so he, this is the dragon. The male child is also fairly easy to define because in verse five it says that the, the rule, he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. And if you were to take a look in, in Psalm chapter two, you would also find this phrase. And Psalm chapter 2 is a psalm that's considered what they would say a messianic psalm, a psalm of the Messiah. So Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart. And cast away their cords from us. So the world is sitting here in a sense shaking their fist at God. And saying we want nothing to do with God's order and God's reign. We want nothing to do with his Christ, his anointed one. Uh, we want to be completely independent of him. Verse 4 picks up kind of a second act to this. It says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. This would be God. The Lord holds them in derision, which is a, uh, as ridicule. And then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fear, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. In verse 7, you move to kind of an act 3 of, of this. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. So this is the anointed one speaking. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And ask me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a a potter's vessel. And then a warning or uh, a point of, of bringing this to a conclusion. Verse 10, kind of a scene four here. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. But the key thought here is is this picture where it says that the Messiah, the Lord, the Christ, he shall break them with a rod of iron. So the male child that we're looking at here in Revelation uh, chapter 12 is that of, of Jesus Christ. And, uh, he's the, the Lord's son, Jesus Christ. So we have the dragon, the devil, the male child, Jesus, 
Now we take a look at the woman. And you automatically start to think, well, the woman would be Mary. But that's not the case. Uh, let me explain that in the sense that verse 6 simply would not apply to Mary. Uh, the woman fled into the wilderness where she was placed, prepared, had a place prepared for her by God in which she was to be nourished for 1,260 days. So we don't have this as Mary. And so the question is, who is it? Um, there are some who say, well, it's the church. The woman is represented. She's the, it's the church. And I, again, I'm going to suggest that that doesn't fit. The church is known as the bride of Christ. Uh, in Revelation 19, you, if, uh, if you were to look at just a few chapters ahead, you would uh, get involved in the marriage supper of, of Christ and his bride, the church. And so you say, well, what else in Scripture could give us a clue as to who this woman is? Let's see, she's, she's clothed with the sun. The moon is under her feet, and she has the crown of 12 stars. Interestingly enough, this coincides with imagery that comes from Genesis chapter 37, uh, which was where we have the dream of Joseph. Genesis chapter 37 Uh, Verses 5 through 11, it says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have had. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheep. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. And then he dreamed another dream. And he told it to his brothers, and he said, Behold, I dreamed another dream. Behold, the moon, the sun, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. The sun and the moon and his eleven brothers bowing down to him. And you'll say, well, there are twelve stars here, though. Twelve mentions of someone. And if you take Joseph and add him, it would be the 12 brothers. This is uh, a reference to the nation of Israel. The faithful remnant nation of Israel. The sun, the moon, and 12 stars. Like I said, the 11 brothers plus Joseph, the 12 stars. And so we have the nation of Israel here in this picture. And and, uh, John chapter 4, verse 22 We have Jesus saying to the woman at the well, uh, salvation comes from the Jews. So here in this picture that we have in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, we have the woman, 
the nation of Israel, giving birth to the male child, Jesus, and the dragon wanting to destroy this child at its birth and, and, and is ready there to do so. You think about this for a minute. How many times is the evil fallen world known to try to destroy the nation of Israel or the children of Israel? Think about this. In Exodus, the Pharaoh is is fearful of the Hebrew people growing up to be a mighty nation within his country. And so he tells all the midwives to kill all the male children when they're born, which they were reluctant to do. So there's an attempt. And, of course, I believe that that because of their idolatrous worship and, 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 and all that, that, that the Egyptians were involved in, they were guided by Satan, by him. And, and as a result, uh, you know, he used them to try to, to, if you will, interfere with what's called the crimson thread, the line of Jesus through the scripture. In Israel's captivity, uh, Haman uh, found the story of, 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 in the story of Esther, Haman tried to destroy the Hebrew people. And then, even in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 2, what do we find King Herod trying to do? Destroy the male children. I believe all of those were instruments of Satan trying to destroy or disrupt the lineage of Christ. The final attempt was the cross. All of them failed. God's plan prevailed. In chapter 12, back in in chapter 12 of Revelation, in verse 5, it tells us very clearly, she, the the woman, gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with the rod of iron. And you're thinking now, remember, Satan was there ready to, to grab a hold of this situation and destroy this child. But it says, but her child was caught up to to God and to his throne. And so in a what is typical of Revelation, in just a, a, a moment, a flash of time, we actually have a full picture of, of the birth of Christ and his ascension up to God and to his throne. There was the attempt, the cross, but it failed. And then verse 7, we come into an abrupt change. We listen to the next few verses. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them, Satan and his angels, in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, 
who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their uh, lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in a great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Interesting, different scene here now. There's a war waged in heaven between Michael and his angels and the dragon or the devil and his angels. And in this battle, Satan loses and he's cast out of heaven and along with him is one third of the angels. That represents today to us Satan and his uh, demonic influence, the demons that are with him. It says here that the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. His attempt to, to take over heaven failed, and now he's going to try to disrupt earth. But I think at this point, in the way I see it, Satan is no longer necessarily trying to defeat God, but to destroy God's plan. And the one thing that he would destroy would be what God has loved so much. That created in his own image, mankind. And so he's here to destroy it as, as in any way that he can. Like I said, it's an abrupt change. Michael and, and, and the dragon in war. In verse 10 through 12, which I've already read, talks about a, a, I heard a loud voice in heaven. And this loud voice is described as, as those who, uh, Talk about the salvation, the power of the kingdom of God and the authority of the Christ have come. And, and it's accepted by many as the martyrs that were taken. And, and we go back to chapter six where there are many martyrs, uh, uh, those who have hung on to their faith and were willing to give their lives. And it says how they overcame here. Verse 11, it says they overcame. How did these martyrs overcome? They became overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and the salvation, uh, you know, in a, in a, uh, to live as Christ is to uh, uh, is more important than their lives itself. I want to look a little closer at that. By the blood of the Lamb, I think of of, of John's. Uh, the, John the Baptist statement when he first sees Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus on the cross, his blood shed for us. And so they've rested in the truth of the blood of the Lamb covering their sins. These who will cry out. They've been saved by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. There needs to be a confession, a testimony. And so I would, I would think of, of what Paul writes in Romans 
they confess with their mouth and they and they believe in their heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, raised from the dead. By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And then, again, it says, uh, they loved not their lives even unto death. They valued their their relationship with Christ more than death itself, meaning that if they were put in a position where they would have to uh, choose Christ or choose, uh, you know, to deny Christ and, and live, choose Christ and die, deny Christ and live, they would refuse to deny Christ. And it makes me again think of words of Paul, to live as Christ, to die as gain. In other words, these people knew that if they, they confessed Christ and hung on to him, that no matter what happens in this world, they would have eternal life. So they overcame uh, the sin by the blood of Christ, by the word of their testimony, and to even value their lives in Christ more than their own physical lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it, it talks about when, when death occurs that what is mortal is swallowed up by life. And for us as Christians, we don't normally think about that. We think about how to get through this day. I think over this last year of all the, the difficulties, especially with the COVID virus and all this, how do we survive day to day? We get by uh, people that are without work because of, of the virus and, and people who have had suffered loss of family and friends and, and all that has gone on. And we're focused so much here on this life. But we need to hang on to this one truth as Christians. What Paul said is to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Uh, what is mortal, he, uh, he writes to the Corinthians, what is mortal is swallowed up by life. And someone may ask, well, how fast does this happen? All we need to do is to go to the side of the cross where Jesus is crucified between two thieves. And the, and the one thief says, remember me when we get to heaven, when you get to heaven and establish your kingdom. And Jesus told him this day. You will be with me in paradise. All the martyrs that are reflected here in this chapter and in going back to chapter six of, of Revelation, all these martyrs, as they took their last breath here, took their, their, their next breath, so to speak, in the presence of Christ. To live is, is, is Christ. To die is gain. Mortals swallowed up by life. The battle continues, yes, but I want to sum up with what I have to share this morning in how the battle ends. And all I have to do is go just a few chapters more in the book of Revelation. Go to chapter 20 and go to the seventh verse. Let me share this with you. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, and they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever.
we win. The church wins. The body of Christ wins. Jesus wins this war. Yes, the dragon may be sitting there ready to try to, to, to take apart the kingdom of God or, or, or to disrupt the, the church or whatever he can do. But if we will stay faithful and rest in the blood of Christ and the word of his testimony and, and, and know that our salvation is more important than life itself, if we will keep those truths in our heart, even to the point of martyrdom if necessary, we will know the glory of God and rest with this truth even now. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we take these words and we look at it and we, and, and we see so clearly that you have shown us that Christ wins in the end. And, 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 and Christ wins even now. In fact, the moment that we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior, the condemnation is gone and, and, and the salvation is there. We have won already. And as we rest in Christ, there isn't anything that can come and disrupt us to the point where we lose that confidence that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that God, you the Father, raised him from the dead. We confess that with our mouths. We believe it in our hearts. And we rest in it. And as we go into this new year, We once again confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. God, the Father, did raise him from the dead. And we believe in him for our salvation and rest with the truth. There indeed is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We worship you. We praise you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.